Well, we continue in our stories, uh, series, should I say, that I kicked off a couple of weeks ago, entitled His Story, Our Living Hope. And uh, as I said earlier, uh, thank you, Richard, for um, taking the reins for me last week. And that talk is fantastic about how we can rejoice in this time. But I'd encourage you to uh, catch up if you missed this. You know, we do find ourselves in strange times. And I know you've heard that many, many a time. Um, and, you know, with the coming of autumn and the new term, for many comes many more challenges and trials and another deluge of <coughs> excuse me, bad news in the paper around lack of test kits and the economy and are we going to go into another lockdown, etc, etc. These, these are really tough times and I have had many conversations with some of you and outside the church and one of the common questions is, does God kind of understand what's happening? Is this part of his plan? Is he caught unawares by this? And why is this all happening? All great questions. And so it's in the midst of this that we need to understand that God does have a plan. I have said it so many times, and forgive me for saying it again, but God is not surprised by any of this. God is still on the throne. He is in charge of all things, and his plans and purposes will come to pass. Why? Because we are in his story. And we can learn so much from his word around the times that we are currently in and what's coming up. You know, if you missed my talk, I'd encourage you to catch up with that. But I started this series by uh, sharing a picture that I had, uh, had from the Lord. And it was of a book that had been opened. And I was staring at this book. And um, on the left-hand side was a couple of paragraphs. And you could see it was the end of a chapter because it was blank for the rest of the page. And on the right-hand side was the beginning of a new chapter. And I really felt the Lord saying and, um, that we are embarking on the next chapter. And while you might be surpri not surprised at that, you could say, well, Mark, that's fairly obvious. Um, what, I, what I saw from that picture was some real truths that I shared, that he is in control, that he is the author, that we are merely the characters in his story. And I shared that as a way of encouragement to say that we can have peace knowing that he is in charge. But as I shared that story, I also shared the fact that it looked to me as if it was very near the end of the book. And indeed, we are in the final hour. And I shared more about that last week. And uh, I'd encourage you to catch up if you missed that. You know, the, the Bible... His story talks a lot, as I mentioned just earlier, about the times that we find ourselves in and indeed what's coming up. You know, I said that 30% of the Bible is prophecy and yet oftentimes we don't look at that and we just focus on the rest of the 70%. But it's there for a reason. It's there to encourage us. It's there to prepare us. It's there for us to worship a sovereign God that is in charge. And of that 30%, 80% has already been fulfilled to the letter to the t the fact that you know jesus would be born in bethlehem the fact that he would then um, die on a cross for us cross for us and the way he died the way that um, his clothes were distributed by the roman soldiers all of that was captured but that leaves another 20 percent that is yet to be fulfilled and in fact did you know that the the event which has the greatest amount of biblical prophecy in the Bible is actually the second coming of Jesus. Did you know that? 
And we know a lot about his first advent, but not much about his second. And so what I want to do as we continue on this series is ask the question that has been asked of me, is, is, is COVID the sign of the end and, and why is it happening? Is God aware of everything that's going on? You know, in, in fact, only a few days ago, there was an article in the Daily Express that was entitled, End of the World? Question <laughs> mark. And I can answer that question, is, is, is COVID the sign of the end, with, with this answer, yes or no. <laughs> no, it isn't the plagues that we read about in, in the tribulation period that we read in the book of Revelation. Some of you asked me that. But yes, plagues are part of the end times. It is what God says will happen in the last days, and so we mustn't be surprised. And so, as way of a roadmap, um, this week we're going to answer that very question. Is this in his story? And next week, we're going to look at some key biblical events and timelines coming up. Biblical events such as the rapture of the church. Some of you have spoken to me about that. Uh, an event where we are caught away with the Lord in the, in the air. And you can read about that beforehand if you wish in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, and it's also in other scriptures. Then we're going to look at um, what the, the tribulation period is, the seven years. We're going to look at Revelation and indeed what it talks about in Daniel as well and, uh, and the characters that are involved in that time. And then we're going to look at the second coming of Jesus when he comes down um, at the end of that seven years to judge and then the millennial reign of Christ. It's going to be exciting. I want you to be excited and expectant because God has put this in here for a reason. And I do believe that now is a time that he is wanting his church to understand the times that they are in. And we don't have to guess. We don't have to wonder. We can actually read about it. And that's what I want us to do. So this morning, let's ask those two questions. Does his story have something to say about what's going on around us? Does God know about it or is he surprised? And on the back of that, how do we therefore respond? How do we therefore respond? And let's look at Jesus' own prophetic words then to answer that first question that we find in Matthew 24. I hope you have your Bibles there. It will also be here on the screen. Let's turn to Matthew 24. This is when he was speaking with his disciples on the Mount of Olives, often called the Olivet Discourse. And his disciples were asking him about when he was coming and what the end times would look like. And Jesus responded. And let us read together from um, verse 6 onwards. And let's see what Jesus says in response to the question, what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Let's read this together. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Listen to this. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And you can look in the uh, parallel account in Luke where Jesus in Luke 21 where Jesus also adds in says plagues as well now let's look at this together and understand what Jesus is saying isn't it interesting in verse 8 that he says all these are the beginning of birth pains now I am not a woman of course no surprise there I have not experienced birth pains but 
as a father of three lovely, adorable children. I have been with Steph as she has gone through those birth pains and, and given birth. And there are two observations that will help us understand what Jesus is saying here about birth pains. The first one is this. They start off slow and they then increase in frequency and severity. Now I can... I can't see you, of course, but I can see some of you ladies who have given birth uh, uh, maybe wincing at the, uh, the, the thought or the remembrance of that. Yes, they do, don't they? They increase in frequency and severity. And what else can we learn from birth pains? Number two, when they start, <laughs> you know the end is near. In other words, there's no going back. You know, you can't be at, the, at those final pains and say, no, actually, I don't want this to happen. No, the baby is going to be born. It's going to happen. There is no going back. And so what Jesus is saying is that you're going to see these things. They're going to increase in frequency and severity. And let me tell you, once this starts increasing, it will happen. I will come again. Well, why don't we just use that criteria and have a look against what Jesus said here. So what did he say? There'll be wars. Uh, he said kingdom against kingdom. You know, there have been more people killed in wars in the 20th century than any other centuries before that combined. Did you know that? Even now, there are rumors of wars in the Middle East following the uh, signing of the Abraham Accord, and I might touch on, on some of that later on in the series um, as we look at what the Bible has to say uh, around not just um, some of this stuff, but even geopolitically and socioeconomically that uh, God has something to say about those things. You see, man's attempt at peace, will, will, while noble, <laughs> will never bring around true peace. Don't you think after all this time we should have sorted it out by now? And yet, more people have been killed in wars last century than at any other time. Why? Because they are increasing in frequency and severity. What about nation against nation? Well, listen, the Greek word for nation is actually ethnos, which is where we get the word ethnic. You see, what Jesus is saying here is ethnic groups will war against each other. There will be an escalation in hatred between ethnic groups. Guys, are we not seeing that play out this year? Why? Because of the evil and the sin in this world. So wars, kingdom against kingdom, nation against nation, yes, frequency and severity. Number two, famines. Having done my research, I was, you know, you would have thought with all of our amazing technology, did you know we can grow food in, in various places now? We have the wealth that everyone should be able to be fed, and yet... And yet, I was surprised to see that we've had more famines, more acute famines in the last century and now than ever before. Why? Because they are increasing in frequency and severity. Why? Because we see the effect of sin. This is what happens when man tries to build the kingdom without the king. This is what happens when you say, we don't need you, God. We can do it on our own own. This is what happens when you accept the lie that we can be like God. Let's move on. Earthquakes. 
According to the International Disaster Database, did you know there have been a 200% increase in earthquake activity in just 50 years? If you look at the chart, it's like this. And in various places, I mean, last week we had an earthquake in where? Bedfordshire, of all places. And uh, only a few days ago in Leighton Buzzard. The, the creation is definitely groaning. What about other natural disasters? You see the wildfires this year, started in Australia, and look at the US at the moment. The West Coast just covered. And what about an increase in hurricanes and storms? I mean, this year, we've had more wind in the previous month than... I mean, I read a report that the, the Meteorological Society said that when they started naming storms way back, this was the first time they've had had to uh, issue a name of a storm not just once but twice in one month one month as i speak hurricane sally in the u.s has delivered four months of rainfall in just four hours there was snow recently uh, what is happening it is what's happening is what jesus said these are birth pains this is the marker that we are heading to the end what about this one pestilence number four pestilence and plagues and as i said luke talks about this in chapter 21 and this brings us to the covid question you know according to the world health organization over the past 44 years there have been three periods of increased plague activity over the previous time and there's been a clear shift as well in the geographical distribution of plagues over the last half century. Increasing in frequency and severity. So you look at all this and when you ask the question, you know, is God aware of this? Is this part of the end times? And you say, you know what, yes. This is exactly what Jesus said. Let me tell you, if your worldview is that things are going to get better and better, and then when things are really good, then Jesus is going to come again, then I'm going to have to tell you that's just not biblical. Yes, we love our kingdom theology, the here and not yet. Yes, we are called to extend God's kingdom where we are that light breaks into the darkness, that we proclaim the gospel of peace, not just in word, but in deed, where his rule and reign comes, that we see healings, we see forgiveness, we see peace. But as we say, it will not be fully consummated until he comes again and establishes his rule and reign. And we talk about that, but I want to actually show you in the Bible what that looks like when he comes and consummates his rule and reign. Because I tell you, when you fully grasp what that means, you're going to be excited. And it will change your perspective on how you live your life. So exciting. And as I said just earlier, there are... The Bible has so much more to say around the times that we live in that I will touch on as we go through these few weeks. You see, if you look at what is happening around us through the lens of the Bible, then actually nothing is a surprise. In fact, everything is right on track as per his story. Well, Mark, whew, I, I don't know how I feel right now. I feel a little bit bleak. I've got some good news for you. 
You know, the, the title of this series is His Story, Our Living Hope. You see, friends, this story is a story of hope. The central theme of his story is Jesus, that he is our living hope. And what I want to do right now as I look at the second part of this talk then is saying, okay, how do we respond if we are aware of what Jesus is saying? How are we supposed to act? How do we respond to this? And and there is so much I could share with you, but I want to distill it down into maybe just four things that, that I want to encourage you in how you respond to Jesus's words to say that I am coming soon. And we can read that at the end of Revelation. Number one, how are we to respond to what's happening around us? Put our hope in Jesus. You know, prophecy always points to Jesus. This book points to Jesus. From the first page to the last page, this book is about Jesus, our living hope. You see, the gospel message, the good news, is that he died and that he rose again for you. Why? You see, the gospel message doesn't just stop there. In order that you can spend eternity with him. That is the good news of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is the good news news about your eternal salvation. I was really clear a couple of weeks ago. The reality of hell is as real as the reality of heaven. You know, if... If you believe in Jesus, that he died for you, that you are a sinner, but he paid the penalty for you, and you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, I've got good news for you. What's going on around us is as bad as it gets. But if you have yet to put your living hope in Jesus, then I'm afraid to say it's as good as it gets right now. And yes, I'm being direct. The hour is late. I want to tell you, and be clear with you to put your hope in Jesus. Let us read 1 Peter. What does 1 Peter say? 1 Peter 3, 5. Let's read this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into, listen to the good news of the gospel, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You know, in this season... I believe it's a time of shaking. You see, God for many is revealing where we put our hope in. You see, if you look around you, it's pretty clear that you cannot put your hope in this world, in politicians, in programs, in science, in all all good though they are, you cannot put your hope in because they are dead. They are not your living hope. Jesus is your living hope. Can I read to you um, 1 John 2, 15 says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. And when he's talking about the world, he doesn't mean the beautiful creation that God created. He means the the systems of the world, the world, the, the sin in this world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. 
for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Listen to this. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. We cannot put our hope in this world because it is a dead hope. It will pass away. But Jesus is our living hope. And I think in this season, you know, quite frankly, I think that God is shaking the world out, the, out of his people. It's that moment where the storms come and we say, which part of my foundations are on sand? I've got to put all of my foundations on Jesus, my rock. Where is your love? Is it in this world, the things of this world, or in this season, is just Jesus saying, cast your eyes upon me. I am your living hope. You know, I've studied, just as I've gone through all the epistles, one thing that I see so clearly is that whenever the writers talk about enduring trials and hardships, they always encourage the believers to remember that Jesus is our hope. Read it in James, in Hebrews, in 1 Thessalonians, in 2 Thessalonians, in 1 Peter, in 2 Peter, in Romans. And yet these days... We rarely look to Jesus and say, well, it's, you know, Jesus is our living hope. What we do is we say, I've got to fix everything. Well, yes, we want to pray about our trials and tribulations, but we've got to recognize that we will go through them. And what happens in those trials and tribulations, God is saying, I am your living hope. And can I just say this as well? If you're listening to me or watching me, whether it be on a Sunday or on catch up and you have yet to put your hope in Jesus today is the day of salvation he has an eternity ready for you with him how do you say yes to Jesus you confess that you're a sinner we've all sinned we've all fallen short of the glory of God all of our good works are just but rags filthy rags and then you believe that Jesus died and rose again, you confess with your mouth, thank you, Jesus, you are Lord. Do that now if you have yet to say yes to Jesus. And our prayer team would love to pray with you after the service, if that's you. Number two, how do we respond to these times? Be alert and sober-minded. What does that mean? Let's go back to 1 Peter, jumping around a bit. Okay. Where are you, Peter? 1 Peter 1.13 says this, Therefore, and he's in reference to what came before, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope, there it is again, on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. He starts out with, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. What does Peter mean when he says alert and fully sober? I, I think that a good way of saying it is this, wake up, stay alert. Wake up and take your relationship with Jesus seriously. This walk with Jesus isn't something that happens on a Sunday. This isn't a pill that we take when we want to feel better. It is a living relationship with a living God. And you know it's a call to holiness. 1 Peter 16, it goes on to say, For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. That is what it means to be sober-minded. I've got a quote here that I'm going to read. I'm going to read it verbatim, because I love what it says. 
Being sober-minded does not mean living a sour, joyless existence. In fact, sober-minded Christians are to be continually filled with joy of the Holy Spirit, eliminating foolishness, frivolity and mind-numbing silliness from our lives, listen to this, allows us to focus on what is real, eternal and inspiring. Jesus' command to his sleepy-headed disciples suggests the need for sober-mindedness. Mark 14, 38, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. It means that we are to set our minds on Christ, to be set apart for him. You know, last year I said, next year the church is going to look different. It's going to look different, feel different, smell different, sound different. I hadn't realised that it would be thus so. And you know, last year when I started, I also said that I believe uh, a revival is coming of holiness. I believe we are in the midst of this time where God is reviving his church and calling them to holiness. I have heard so many stories from all of you and from others about how in this season you are going deeper with the Lord, that you're seeking God in new ways, that God is revealing things and speaking to you in new ways as you set your face towards him. I think it is an exciting time where God is reminding us to say, listen, wake up. I am calling you to holiness. And you know, Ephesians 5, 3 and 4 says this, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place. This is a time where God is saying loudly, be holy for I am holy. And that is what, if you read the epistles, go through yourself, read it. Read 1 Peter later today. And you see that exhortation to respond to the fact that Jesus is coming soon to be sober-minded and to be holy. Number three, I said there was four. Number three, 1 Peter 4, 7. Let's look at 1 Peter again. 4, 7 says this. The end of all things is near. There you go again. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind. He said it once more, didn't he? So that you may pray. Let us not forget to pray. How's your prayer life? Is it a two-minute Arrow prayer, arrow prayers are important and good, but I hope it's more. Prayers of thanksgiving as you worship God. Prayers of supplication, it's good to ask God for your needs. Prayers of devotion, prayers of intercession. What does that mean? Praying for other peoples. We need to be praying, listen, let me tell you, we need to be praying for those that do not know Jesus. I I said two weeks ago that There needs to be an urgency to fulfill the Great Commission, to proclaim the good news of Jesus in word and deed because the time is short. And what, you know, John said when he wrote this 2,000 years ago, we're in the final hour. How much more closer are we? Now, you know, it says in the scriptures that at the end times there'll be scoffers that say, oh, he's not coming. People will say, "It's it's a lie of the enemy to get us to sit back and relax, not to wake up and be sober minded and not to spread the good news of Jesus. We haven't, people do not have the time. And number four, lastly, it goes on to say in eight to ten that we should love and serve one another. And in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, 
Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Well, I find this very interesting. We do see the day approaching. You know, we can see the signs. And isn't it interesting that in these final hours, you know, we're, it's difficult for us to physically meet together, but we should not give up. You know, I want to encourage you about these blended events during the week. If you can get there, get online with each other, even if it's just to pray with one another over Zoom or pick up the phone. You know, you can meet the rule of six. Maybe just ring up a neighbor and say, hey, can I pop over? Let us not give up meeting together and encouraging one another in the Lord, even as we say, see the day approaching. So I'll, I'll end where I started. Is God surprised? No. Are we part of his plan? Absolutely. Is this in his story? Yes, it is. And does God have something to say on how we are to respond at this time? Yes, he does. So what I'd like to do now as we end is I'm going to pray and then we're going to listen to that song that Sam Lane, our, our worship pastor, has sung uh, for Vineyard Worship, um, Hidden Place. It's just such a beautiful song. And, and I want us to use this as a time of ministry, just to say yes to Jesus, to seek his face and respond, respond by calling upon him. And so um, the words are going to come up. You know, you might want to sing along or equally you might just want to listen and, and let it minister to you. And at the end of that, we, we, the, the service will end. But use that time. Use that time to seek his face. Let me pray. Lord, I want to thank you that we are part of your story, that you are sovereign God. And I want to thank you that your story is a story of hope in Jesus, our living hope. Lord, I pray that in these times rather than respond in fear, that, Lord, we would look up and would call upon your name. Lord, you are calling us to be a people that is holy. Or would you come now, I pray, in your precious name. Amen.